You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Big shout out to uh, JJ, who did what he always does and uh, does a full-length podcast on about a five-minute notice. He's good at that stuff. Um, He basically explained it, but I don't know, man. Sometimes things happen that are very serious and um i just have a really hard time you know when i do this podcast i very very much care about what i'm saying i get very into it um i get impassioned about things that are let's be honest in in the grand scheme of life kind of stupid right it's just football who cares and um i can't do that at times like that i just can't um relatively emotional day yesterday just in general, you know, when stuff happens like that, I don't know, I guess I don't handle it super well. Just hard to wrap my head around and comprehend that level of depravity and evil. And then obviously that happening basically just a couple towns over from where I'm at. Um, got family that lives there. Just there, There's just a lot of details of what happened that um, were hard to emotionally comprehend, I guess. Um, anytime you hear children are involved, it's really hard to stomach. Um, aside from calling my own family to make sure that they were okay and doing check-ins with church members and things that are all living in that area, the, one of the harder parts was just cooking dinner in kitchen, in the kitchen, just listening to my kids, you know, just being kids and laughing and joking around and, um, then trying to contrast that with what other people are going through. You know, at the time, not realizing if maybe somebody watched as their kid got taken from them. I mean, you know, that may still be the case, but uh, right in front of their eyes, you know. And even kids that weren't harmed, um, you know, their innocence essentially just being taken away from having to see something like that. There's, there's, there's There's a lot of things, but it was just, you know... I've got the voice in the back of my head saying, all right, you got to go do the podcast. And it just kind of made me angry, you know, <laughs> made me angry at my own voices in my head. If that, uh, if that doesn't freak you out, but, uh, just, it felt, it felt inappropriate, I guess is the only way I can put it. So I just said, I'm, I'm as much as it's, you know, it's, it's the day after game day. It's, it's one of the biggest days to go do a podcast. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do it. So I didn't. Shout out to Packers Twitter, by the way. It ended up being a place of refuge where I could go today and and not be uh, reminded of what happened, which surprised me. I didn't expect that to be the case, considering how much outrage there was about lying. Um, There was about a week of people beside themselves because lying is is the worst thing that's ever happened. I thought for sure mass murder in Wisconsin would have been uh, something everybody would be talking about, but I guess not. I don't know. Props to Packers Twitter for being rational for the first time ever. 
And yes, I'm being sarcastic, and no, I'm not actually giving anybody credit. But I'll save the rest of the commentary for my own uh, private ranty podcast. I just felt the need to throw that little shot in there. (laughs) Suddenly everybody decided we should stick to football. That's funny. Anyways, since I didn't have a uh, chance to really just give my overall thoughts of the game, um, I, I do feel a little disconnected from where Packer fans are at. I have seen a little bit of this sentiment, but uh, not much. I I just thought this is one of the rare times where there's really nothing to complain about. A lot of people are mad at the refs. I um I didn't see. I'm not I'm not trying to start any fights. I didn't see any bad calls. There are always questionable ticky tack calls. The only thing that made me almost launch my fist through a wall was um that incompletion that uh, they almost didn't challenge, that he clearly dropped, but they ended up challenging it and getting the call right. There were also several penalties that they didn't choose to show a replay of, at least not from where I was watching. Um, I saw Billy Turner was very upset for, I think he got called on two different penalties. He really did not like those penalties. Um, There might have been a hold that was a little iffy, but that might have even been on the Vikings. I'm not sure. Or that might have even been a different game. I don't know. I'm just saying... I think this Packers loss falls on the Packers. Not that, not really that any Packers fans ultimately disagree with that, but but I, I just, I, I'm not even willing to go there. I overall just didn't, I mean, and I started getting those messages real early uh, as far as I guess we're battling the refs again today, and I just thought, I, you know, I don't see it. I, I you know, we're, we're, we're technically battling penalties, that's true, but I, I feel like these are, you know, again, it, it, you you can say they're, they're, Maybe questionable insofar as other squads wouldn't have called that or would have called it differently. But um, from what I could tell, especially the more egregious, you know, the 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 turnover to end the game. Uh, and I'll be honest, somebody said they rewatched an angle and they didn't see the ball touch the ground or anything. I, you know, I honestly don't even want to see it because it's just I don't need to be angry. It's not going to change the outcome. From what I could tell, he didn't catch it. And I saw some people, even Nagler and a few people, saying his knee was down, which they explained on TV that's irrelevant. If you don't make a football move, you have to complete the catch, meaning if during the process of the catch you lose the ball, it's not an interception. And he didn't come up with it. or so. I, I, it doesn't matter. Uh, the push-off on, I think it was Stokes. It, it was, first of all, minor if anything. Second of all, let's be completely honest about that. Stokes was never going to get that, but that was going to be a touchdown all day. That was a, cla- we've seen it a thousand times. That was a classic you know, Stokes had a decent game, but, um, you know, the ball's hanging up there and he just gets completely lost and flailing around, doesn't know where to go and uh, caught for a touchdown. Ultimately, I, I just, I think it comes down to what football should come down to. The Vikings were the better team in one. And I, it's it's sad that there aren't more games like that. It's sad that there are so many horribly officiated calls. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the Packers. I'm talking about, it seems like every single game you're watching stuff and just thinking that's terrible. I mean, this is this is a monumental, game-changing call that never should have been made or was missed, and um, I don't think that was this. I think this. I, I I thought it was just a very good game, um, not in terms of the Packers playing a, a clean game, but it was just it was a good back and forth, and um, you know it came down to the wire and Vikings closed it out, and that's it. It's painful to admit that, but but that's just that's just the way I see it. Now, does that mean just straight up the Vikings are better than the Packers? No, because from there you have to break down. It's basically what I had said about these teams going in. 
the the Packers are better than the Vikings, but if the Packers show up and don't look very good and the Vikings show up and are playing well, which, you know, I mean, everybody has good days and bad days. There's a bad day for the Packers and a good day for the Vikings, and the Vikings won. So you have to kind of break things down from there. And sometimes there's really nothing to even break down. It's just it's just one of those things where sometimes you have good days and sometimes you have bad days. And I, I don't want to just give too many excuses because I do think there are things that were... Um, unfortunate and avoidable. Uh, I I thought Aaron Rodgers once again got off to a horrifically bad start. I'm very sick and tired of the nonstop throws to MVS. And yes, I understand toward the end, they started to get in sync. So you got a couple big throws and obviously the massive one at the end. But how many drives did it kill? You know, we got one touchdown out of it. How many touchdown drives did we lose because we're launching it constantly, constantly, third and two, launching it down the field, MVS, 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 MVS. It's, it is an absolute drive killer. You know, I mean, if, if it's first and 10 and you run for two yards and then miss MVS, you know, there's only so many third and longs that you can survive on. And it felt like we were constantly living in third, in third and longs. So, you know, again, things really picked up toward the end. The offense started to look good. Rodgers started to look a lot better. MVS started to, I mean, not that he was, I don't know that he did anything wrong all day. He just wasn't having the ball thrown to him. Uh, Decision-making, play calling, once again, like every single week, how many times do we have to say it? Run the ball, run the ball. It's working, run the ball. Even though the run blocking was horrific, once again, you look at the stats and you see that A.J. Dillon had 4.8 yards per carry. Now, the last time we had this conversation, he had six yards per carry and just a handful of carries. Again, almost five yards per carry, only 11 carries. The guy is built for 25 carries a game, and we just refuse to give him the ball. Even on days where he's having a great, great go of it, and Aaron Rodgers is struggling, we still force feed deep passes over and over and over. Every single time. How many times do we have to have the exact same conversation? The short passes are working. The run game is working. Just milk it all the way down the field. Nope, got to launch a big pass down the field. That's what the numbers are dictating to us. We have to do whatever the Vikings tell us to do. And and I get it. You, you should be able to do it. I understand. Aaron Rodgers, you should be able to do it. You should be able to hit that guy down the field. MVS, you should be able to win your one-on-ones. But you're not. You're not winning your one-on-ones. You're not throwing accurate passes regardless of what the Vikings are dictating to you, you're failing to convert, so stop it. I'm sorry, but you're not good enough. And until you get that figured out, until you can prove that we, you know, like toward the end of the game, until you can prove that you can actually do that, you know, again, even even you look on the Facebook group or whatever, people are gloating, like, oh, you people said stop throwing to MVS. Now what? Dude, that's one throw. How many drives? How, how, how much do the Packers have to go down before we finally figure out how to get that connection going? That's what practice is for. I don't want you to figure it out by the third, halfway through the third quarter because it's too late. And so I, I will comment on the injuries in a minute, but let's just call a spade a spade. And we will get to the PFF grades and whatnot. Um, the offensive line was not good enough. The, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll comment on injuries, but at the end of the day, this is the Green Bay Packers. Right, the Green Bay Packers is not David Bakhtiari, it's not Elton Jenkins, it's not Rashawn Gary or Darius Smith or even Aaron Rodgers. It's whoever's lining up in the green and gold. Whoever's got that G on their helmet, that is the Green Bay Packers. And I think myself included, but a lot of other Packer fans like to make the excuse that, yeah, well, we're, we're better than this, we just have a lot of guys out. No, you're not better than this. This is what you are. And whenever those guys suit up, if they suit up, 
right? No, no, no. That's that's not the Packers. The Packers are uh, with Zadarius and, and and Jair and Rashawn, and, and they're an elite unit. We haven't had that elite unit unit all year. The the Packers are what they are, and they've been winning with what they are. But um, that needs to be the expectation. It may be an unrealistic expectation. Again, we'll get to that. But y- you got to hold the guys accountable for for their performance, whether it's you know a Pro Bowl, All Pro caliber player or some undrafted free agent scrub. Y- you're there. You got the job. You got to do your job, man. I'm sorry. I I, I can't give you a handicap. I got to hold you to the only standard I know, and that is, did you do your job well? And if not, I you know got to call it what it is, dude. I'm sorry. I wish you were getting paid more so it wouldn't sting as much to be told you're not very good, but I, I don't control that either. But the offensive line was not good. The pass blocking wasn't terrible, uh, admirable, but against a, a bottom barrel run defense unit, I mean, we, we just cannot run block, and it's just becoming a serious problem. We have a guy that if he could just get a little space, he can just rip this defense to shreds, but he never has anywhere to go. There's never any holes to run through. He's constantly barely squeezing through something so that he can push a guy another two more yards down the field. And yeah, by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, you start to see a couple holes as the defense tires. We need that in the first, second, third, and fourth quarters. I'm sorry. we You got to be able to do it at least once in a while. And they just can't. And while it technically is good enough because, you know, 5.8 yards per carry or 4.8, 4.8 was solid. There's way too many one yard and down. Way too, again, drive killers. Because instead of picking up five yards and now having a big wide open playbook, you're looking at, you know, second and nine. Well, spread them out, boys. That's got to get better. Wide receivers, it was one of the things that I think was a major contributor to the Packers offense really getting on track is what I've been harping on for a while. And that is we need somebody other than Devontae to step up and nobody was doing it. Well, enter Equinemius St. Frickin' Brown, (laughs) who just tore the roof off this thing. I mean, no disrespect to MVS. Again, I don't think he did anything wrong, and he had some huge plays mixed in there. But we we also need guys other than MVS, and that's where I really like, uh, appreciate Alan Lazard, is whereas MVS might get you that one or two big plays, you need a guy that's more of a play-to-play kind of a guy. You know, on a, on a long drive down the field, it's a guy that you're going to target once or twice down the field on, on every single drive. You know, the Randall Cobb types. Um, and, and again, it doesn't have to be one guy. It can be multiple guys, but guys got to step up, whether it's Amari, Equinemius, Randall, MVS, whoever. And we had that. We had more of that, and that was fantastic. And of course, A.J. Dillon, who is one of the more reliable receivers in this game. Um, I feel like every time there's a check down, it's just a big play. First of all, there's always about four yards of space in front of him, so that's an automatic six. I mean, it's just, you can always tack two yards on, especially when he's got a full head of steam and nobody's touching him, guaranteed two. So it's automatic six. Unless it's third and nine, that should be a throw every single time. I mean, unless you got Devontae screaming down the field wide open, there's no reason to force feed a ball when you got an automatic six. Just just take the six, man. Again, open is open, but, you know, most of these guys, are not, they're not wide open. And especially when the offensive line is kind of patchwork at this point, and... Um, we got some some serious holes on the offensive line. Guys just shooting through. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just a coward. I'm, I know I am when it comes to like fourth down or kicking field goals instead of going for it and whatnot. I always want to go the safe route unless we absolutely have to. But I just don't know how you turn down a free six, man. If the defense is going to just give you six, I'll take that every time. 
defensively, it was almost the exact opposite of what we've seen and, and, and the exact opposite of what I expected. With our edge rushers completely down, I thought we were going to really need to lean on our secondary to come up and make plays, and they were the biggest disappointment. I thought the defensive line did a good job. They did a great job of bottling up the run. Um, the pressures were, were there. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times the ball was just floating in the air because somebody just got their hand right in Cousins' face and he just launched it like a like a mortar, just straight up into the air. But it was in, and it's a it's it's a tough group of guys, and and I think the Vikings receivers always give us a hard time. Um, I, again, they they line up very similarly to Seattle's receivers in terms of how they grade out and where they rank and all that stuff. But for some reason, I don't know if it's just a matchup thing or a scheme thing, we struggle with stopping those guys. We just do. And that didn't change this time around. And I think one of the one of the biggest differences is every single time Kirk Cousins threw a ball that was a trash ball, at best it was a dropped pick. I think Savage had about three dropped interceptions. By himself, three. Eric Stokes should have had the other one because that was just launched up in the air. Again, he got lost and turned around and pushed a little bit, but let's not get too ridiculous. Razul Douglas had one, exact same situation. The ball's just hanging in the air. And it's so frustrating because the ball's hanging in the air. And immediately, anytime the ball's hanging in the air, I'm automatically thinking pick. With this defense, with other defenses, not always. Because we've seen it in the past with Dom Capers and some other guys. Well, it's probably just Dom Capers, I guess, that I'm thinking of. But we, we've seen that where the ball's just hanging, and it's like, that, that's got to be a pick. And sure enough, there's nobody around and nobody gets there. With this defense and this amount of speed, even if the guy's open, those safeties are closing so fast, they're going to get there. Which, it doesn't matter if it's Jair, Amos, Savage, Stokes, or King. Those five guys blazing fast. They can get there. And they do every time, but are they going to actually catch it? Is it going to be a reception? Is it going to be what? I don't know. I think I think another one where Savage should have had a pick and he ended up just tackling the guy. Or I don't know if that was Savage or Black or who that was, but it's like, what are you guys doing, man? And, and just think, if, if we had gotten half the interceptions that were basically gifted by Cousins, that's three picks in this game. We win this walking away. Not to mention the game closer by Savage at the end. That was a done deal that he just dropped. But that's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the better team won. Doesn't mean better in terms of if we, if we put the team side by side, the Vikings have a better roster. It doesn't mean they have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean that they're better just in a larger sense. It means they were better on this day. On Sunday, the team that showed up wearing purple was better than the team that showed up wearing green or whatever color they were wearing. Which is green on there somewhere. And I would be remiss to not mention special teams as usual. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to say what I've been saying. We, we can keep trying to defend Mason Crosby and um, saying it's not his fault, it's everybody else's fault, and I'm sure there's something to it, but it's it has to be a little bit Mason Crosby's fault. I mean, that was an absolute chip shot um, that he missed, and, and we're, we're well beyond missing more than we're making. I mean, it's, it's, it's embarrassingly bad right now. And so I, I guess ultimately it doesn't matter where the blame goes, but I'm just saying this is bad. It's real bad. And, and I don't know that, well, if, if we just learn to snap it or hold it or whatever a little better, it'll be fine. I, uh, I don't know that to be true. This is a serious problem. And um, we know we're not getting rid of the punter. Not to say we can't maybe try to find somebody else. Maybe Jordan Love can hold. I don't know. I doubt we're going to go out and get a long snapper. We just replaced the long snapper. And we didn't like the last long snapper. I guess all I'm saying is I, I don't know that it's out of the realm of possibility that the next step is to rem- remove Mason Crosby. It seems psychotic and blasphemous, especially midseason, but this is this is devastating. This is another thing where you're going to lose games because of this. We're going to lose games because of this. I mean, we lost by three. 
Doesn't mean it's it's tied and goes into overtime and everything if he makes that field goal, but that's a reality. Our kicker missed another field goal, and we lost by three. Just throwing it out there. But um, finally, um, injuries, because obviously that does factor in. I, I think kind of somewhat contradicting what I said before, but in terms of at least not caring because it matters. I think injuries made the difference in this game. And I don't say that to try to win some kind of moral victory over Vikings fans. It's actually a negative message because it means going forward, I don't have a lot of faith until we start getting guys back. And and even then, it's going to be reliant on us staying healthy. Elton's done for the year. He's not coming back. So if Bakhtiari goes down or Billy Turner goes down or anybody else goes down, we're in a lot of trouble because there's there's no help. There's no way of, of improving this thing. Same with the guys on the edge. We need Rashawn back badly. Um, you look at the drop off in production from the corners, how much of that has to do with Kirk Cousins feeling comfortable in the pocket? How much does that change if there's a little bit more pressure, if Rashawn is firing off the edge and getting a little more heat coming? I mean, just a couple times, it makes a big difference. You know, if, if, uh, I I guess what I'm saying is I kind of feel like we're at that tipping point where we're going to start losing games because of the injuries. It's just too much to overcome. With Rashawn and Elton going out, I think that was that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back because the offensive line was impacted very negatively by that. And and again, the I'm not going to say lack of pass rush. Kenny Clark was an absolute fiend in this game. Um, even if he didn't quite get to the quarterback every time, it just felt like every other play, he's literally picking up their center and just throwing him straight back into the quarterback. But it's... it's um, if I haven't used the word 10 times already today, it's pretty dire. It's pretty bad. And um, I mean, it, it goes without saying, if we lose players at the same clip that we have been, we're not going to be competitive in the playoffs. We, we just, we, there's no way. We're already bare bones. I mean, I, again, if, if we can get Bakhtiari back and at least one pass rusher, I think we can still be competitive. Right, we still because then we still got a good defensive line. We've got the pass rushers, the corners we've seen perform at a high level, and the safeties and the linebackers. The offensive line with Bakhtiari is going to be just as good as it was with Elton when we were successful. We'll eventually get Aaron Jones back, but AJ Dillon's doing fine. The uh, wide receiver situation hasn't been super great, but we're starting to get those guys back, and that's starting to click. And I, you know, we're still competitive. And obviously, if Zadarius and Jair come back on top of that, well, then that's that's fantastic. But the point is. We're, we're two or three players away from, from not even really, you know, again, anything crazy stuff can happen and you can overcome things and everything else. But I, I just, we're a couple injuries away or just guys not returning away from me really changing my tune in terms of we are the best team. We have the best odds. We, we, everything is looking real great to feeling like um, we're a long shot. We're a couple pieces away. Now, the positive, obviously, with this is considering the offense kind of clicked, if we do get some pieces back and we can stay healthy, which feels like a less than 50% proposition at this point, but let's just say if and when, if the offense can stay revved up, scoring 30-some-odd points, which we have not done since, what, week three? If we got an offense that's scoring in the 30s again and can get our defense back on track, which I'm I'm not even kidding, um, might just be as simple as, as getting a pass rusher or two back as well as, you know, don't drop those picks all the time. But, but th- I mean, that really is the biggest takeaway for me. It, it was, it's a, and, and again, I'm going to sound like a delusional, biased Packer fan here, but 
overall, I, I think if we assume the defense is going to get back on track when they get healthy, this was positive because the one thing this team has been missing is what? Offensive production. It wasn't the prettiest offense we've seen, but 31 points is 31 points. They scored in every single quarter, 3, 7, 7, 14. That's 31. Be great if they got more than three in, in the first quarter. Yeah, okay. But otherwise, it's consistent. That was the missing piece, and we saw it. So moving forward, and none of this is assumed, right? I'm not, Just for any non-Packer fans listening, I'm not saying this is what shall be. It, I have decreed it. We've seen the offense that we need to see. We've seen the defense we need to see. We need to get healthy. We need the offense and defense to continue playing at that level, and we're good to go. I'm not saying we can't have onesie-twosie injuries. I'm saying we cannot have the most valuable people on our entire team going out for the season anymore. And again, I'm not going to name names because last time it happened, within three plays, the guy I mentioned went down. I don't know if it was actually three, but it felt like it. But you don't need me to name the names. Can't can't do it anymore. We're maxed out. We need the guys that we have. We can survive for a game or two, but, you know, this needs to be the squad. This is this is this is the team. When I say that this team is good enough to win a Super Bowl, this is the team I'm talking about. I don't just mean anybody that wears the G on the helmet. I'm talking about those particular players have seem to have what it takes. And if those particular players aren't playing anymore, I don't have that same optimistic outlook. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a little break? We'll take a quick look at uh, some of the other games that took place and uh, glance at PFF, and we'll get up out of here. If and you'd like to support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. You can do so in a variety of ways. The number one way is to uh, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word, let them know. If you want to help with the podcast directly, maybe I can find something for you to do, but as scattered as I am, um, I'm probably going to tell you what I want you to do and then forget to talk to you. That's that's the struggle that my current... Um, crew has. <laughs> just, they kind of just talk amongst themselves, and um, it's a ship without a sail. It has a sail. It doesn't have a rudder. I, I, there's no direction for anybody. Outside of that, financial support is always appreciated. The easiest way for me, and, and if you want to maybe get some perks in return, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. Uh, you can go check out all the tiers and see how that works. Not uh, T-E-A-R-S, although maybe. If you don't want to do that, there's PayPal, there's Cash App. I've also just branched out into uh, crypto, which I'm not super optimistic about. And basically every bit of crypto I have has done nothing but lose money for me. But uh, I think it's fun and exciting and interesting. So if you if you want to go that route, we can try to figure it out. I had somebody message me that they wanted to hook me up with some. And then I sent them what I thought were, were the right credentials. And they haven't talked to me since. So um, he either just felt like I was an idiot and, and ghosted me or uh, somehow used that information to hack my account or something. I'm not really sure what happened, but um, it's fun learning new things, <laughs> even, if, even, if it, even if it's stupid. Anyways, I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, quickly, quickly, quickly ripping through uh, some of the other games that we saw. Uh, I can't really comment on Tampa Bay and the Giants because I'm not really watching it, but I'm, it's on right now. It's the end of the first quarter. 7-3, to three, Tampa Bay, unfortunately. Boy, would that be glorious. Now, interestingly enough, and, and this thing could easily get blown wide open. I see that there's 30 seconds left. Tom Brady is, I'm just hoping they don't score here. Anyways, my concern was, and these ads are 45 minutes long. It's crazy. My concern was Tom Brady's going to get his revenge. I mentioned that on Sunday's show. This is going to be a 45-7 to, to seven game or something crazy. 7-3 to three and one quarters down, I mean, you know, see how it goes. Um, New England spanked Atlanta 25-0. to zero. Again, New England is, is honestly just terrifying to me. They have a one of the top offenses and defenses, which makes me sick to have to say that, but it is a reality. If this is a Tampa Bay-New England Super Bowl, I'm going to throw up. Although, if New England beats Tampa, I'll probably root for New England because that would be pretty glorious. And I, I don't know why I'm so spiteful. I really don't. Tom, the, the more I look at him, I'm like, dude, Tom seems like a good dude. Why do I not like Tom so much? I don't understand. I don't know, but I don't. And I don't know why I wouldn't root for Tom Brady to beat New England. I guess just because, I don't know. Because then then, then uh, New England fans get a win. It's, it's, it's kind of a lose-lose. But I think if New England beats Tampa, that would be kind of a... A thing that would make me a little happy. I don't know. Philly smoked New Orleans, which, um, again, we kind of talked about that on Sunday. That could go either way. Um, this was always a possibility, and it's why I said I didn't want to touch it, because this is just kind of how these games go. Every once in a while, Philadelphia is either going to be garbage or they're going to score 40 points. This was obviously a 40-point game. Uh, Miami and the, J- and the Jets, who cares? Washington beat Carolina. That makes me super happy. Not for any real reason. I just, there's just this weird cam love. That has just never stopped since the last time he was with Carolina. And um, I, I even saw, what was that? I think it was on one of the highlights or whatever. The, the guy literally just talked about how much I, oh, I love Cam. I just can't stop talking about Cam. I li-. Like he was just admitting everything that I was saying that was ridiculous about the reporting on Cam Newton. I don't understand the, the sycophantic infatuation with Cam Newton. I don't understand it. Again, my assumption was that he was a really high-scoring fantasy football guy, so a lot of fantasy football people just assumed he was better than he was. But I don't understand the media's infatuation. I guess maybe they play fantasy. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But they lost to a subpar football team, not to mention um, their old head coach. So that that made me smile. Third and four. Come on, Giants. Uh, Buffalo and Indy, that just makes me unbelievably happy. As I mentioned, Buffalo uh, is another team that scares me beyond New England, but there is something wrong with Buffalo. I mean, there's something clearly wrong with Buffalo. They're, they're sort of like the anti-Eagles, whereas the Eagles are kind of a bad team that have this really scary streak. The Bills are a really good team that have this really garbage streak. 
I mean, how do you blow out a team like 45 to nothing and then turn around and lose 41 to 15? Just shortly after losing to the Jaguars, the freaking Jaguars. So I guess this is just a classic example of a team that is really scary, is really dangerous, but really doesn't have the best odds in the world of winning a Super Bowl. Fortunately for them, you don't have to win that many in a row. So, I mean, you can have, if as long as you can have that many in a row good games, you got a shot. But odds are you're not going to, especially since in the playoffs you're playing the best of the best. And so um, it's not looking great for Buffalo. Cleveland beat Detroit and barely. I mean, I guess I guess I kind of don't care other than I didn't want either of those teams to play well, and I think that's what was accomplished on this particular day. Um, San Francisco annihilated Jacksonville. That was, uh, I think I kind of assumed that, but maybe not necessarily a blowout, but, you know. Houston stomped Tennessee, which I, I think if there's any game that should give us comfort, it's that. The, the team that we were most like in the NFL, I think, was Tennessee. Same record, um, similar teams in terms of, you know, uh, they had one bad week one. They had one other loss that was midseason. Uh, surprisingly good defenses, considering their histories. And uh, both of them were favorited to win. The Packers lost by three points to a pretty good football team that a lot of people thought had a very legitimate chance, especially considering the Packers' injury. The Titans gave the Houston Texans their only win of the season? Second win of the season. That's right, Detroit's the only winless team. But, I mean, that, that's, that's an embarrassment. And again, if, if we're going to go back to perspective, that's it. That stuff happens. Now, again, if it was Packers-Titans, would we just assume, well, they lost to the Texans, so they're trash, we're going to steamroll them? No, we wouldn't. But yet, Packer fans, on the other hand, if we had lost to Houston, would be saying we're trash and we're not going to win any more teams, any more games this year. That's the problem with a lot of this stuff. We internalize way more than we should, and we know it. Because again, we all are going to look at Tennessee and say, ah, eh, they're still good. That's, it's a blip. It doesn't mean anything. And by the way, that's what the rest of the NFL is thinking about the Packers right now. Like, dude, 34-31. I mean, that's, that's not even crazy. There's nothing crazy. And it's a divisional game. That would be like Cardinals 49ers and the 49ers won 34-31. Like, I mean, crazy stuff. And, and it was in San Francisco. Like, what, what big major narrative would you take away from that for Arizona? Like, assuming they were at full strength or whatever, or, or even not. You'd, you'd say, well, yeah, it's because they didn't have Hopkins. If they had Hopkins and a healthy quarterback, yeah, duh. <laughs> right? So just don't worry about it. It's not that, it's not that serious. Um, Baltimore-Chicago, fantastic game, glorious game. Justin Fields got hurt, and I, I don't mean to put those two comments next to each other. That's not why it was a great game. I'm just, it's just the next sentence. Um, no, what was, what was glorious about it was watching the Chicago Bears defense lose to a backup quarterback, right? The, 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 there were so many bets that I made that were um, not fun because I didn't expect or, or know, like Lamar wasn't going to play. I didn't know that uh, the Arizona quarterback, I'm, I'm blanking, man. I need to go to bed. Didn't know he wasn't going to be playing. I mean, I, I saw questionable, but I, everybody's quite, who cares? It doesn't mean anything. Well, it meant something apparently. But uh, you, you got a backup quarterback that uh, not many people have heard of, and you lost. And in fact, that the, the other crazy thing is, well, first of all, here's one of the great things. You, you guys know I love talking about anything Chicago Bears, especially when it deals with Justin Fields. Andy Dalton, which he's done every single time he's been on the field this year, proved he was the better quarterback over Justin Fields. He is by far the better quarterback. It's, it's not close. It's never been close. In fact, the Bears actually look like a good team when Andy Dalton's playing. But anyways, the fun part about this is the Bears had the lead, and all they had to do 
was continue their defensive dominance, which for the first time in a long time, the the Bears fans and the Bears team are starting to feel good about their defense, despite the fact that it's a Rams team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. Still, we can pretend that we just have a really good defense and that's what's happening and there's, you know, whatever. Well, after only giving up six points, they give up 10 in the fourth quarter, not to mention a final game-winning drive by the Baltimore Ravens, in which the Bears defense which still at this point is probably considered the strength of the team, completely imploded. So Bears fans have learned that Andy Dalton, uh, they haven't learned it, they they refuse to acknowledge it. I I, I will say, one of the funniest things I saw was somebody saying, you know, we should just start Dalton for the rest of the the season so we can keep Fields healthy until next year. Dude, you want Dalton to play because you know he's better and you just don't want to admit it. For those that don't know, Um, Andy Dalton was 11 of 23, 201 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Justin Fields was 4 of 11, 79 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and with a forced or with a fumble loss. So after that elite season, that elite second half of a football game, basically, last week he comes out and just plays like garbage against, again, not a very good defense. Baltimore's defense is not some elite defense like we've seen Baltimore have in the past. They, they don't have a lot of their key players. Um, there's a bit of a purging that took place, and they're, they're not as good as they've been, again, in the past. So Bears fans learned that Andy Dalton is better than Justin Fields. They already know for a while now that they made the wrong decision in keeping their head coach and their, their GM, who they've been praising since day one. Well, maybe they don't even know about the GM. I, I, this is what I keep saying about when you don't understand reality rightly, you keep making bad decisions. Bears fans have been in complete agreement with what the Chicago Bears organization has done because neither wants to admit reality. Pace has been a bad coach. Excuse me, Nagy has been a bad coach, but Pace has been a terrible GM. And while Packer fans have been telling you guys that forever, you keep throwing back, oh, uh, what was that stupid useless award he won? Not GM of the of the year, but uh, executive of the year. Like that means anything. The, the stupid reporter voted on awards. They, they're, they're the most useless awards ever. But somehow that loser, probably just because of Khalil Mack, gets executive of the year. He has not been a good executive. But because the Bears organization and to a lesser extent the fans refuse to acknowledge that, he gets to keep his job and continue to run this organization into the ground. And it's also part of the reason why Trubisky hung hung around as long as he did. Not that he was here too long, but again, there's just this constant feeling that he's not that bad, he'll get better. Uh, you just got to work on this or that or whatever. You know, we'll get there. Same with Nagy. Well, he's he's really a smart co- coach. We just, you know, it's just this or that. Or we, we got to tweak there. If, if, if we could just get the guy a quarterback, then yeah, uh, 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 uh. you keep making excuses. And again, it might help you win some Twitter fights, but it's also going to mean your team's going to stay garbage. Now, I guess you don't have to care, but the, the bigger issue is that your fearless leaders over there seem to be agreeing with your nonsense on Twitter. And that's... That's damaging. In, in a best-case scenario, you go on spewing nonsense on Twitter, and then um, your team undermines you and says, we disagree with your nonsense analysis, and then they do something different, and the team wins. That would be best-case for you, because then you can go on thinking you're winning arguments, and uh, your team goes on winning football games. I, I guess that would be... I, I mean, best would just be you just acknowledge reality and stop living a fantasy, but best for you, not for me. I'm loving this. This is fantastic. But anyways, yeah, you fell to the Ravens, who didn't have a quarterback, so that stings. And um, Justin Fields was injured in the game. Um, not happy about that, partially because I, you know, I just don't want guys getting hurt, but also just because I mean he's not good, and I'm not worried about it. And, and again, 
if we have to play the Bears again, I would rather play Justin Fields than Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton has just been better all year. It's Again, it's not even close. Yeah, put Fields back out there, please, as soon as possible. Post-haste. But anyways, enough picking on the Bears. Um, Cincinnati destroyed Las Vegas. Don't care. Arizona beat Seattle. That was good for um, my bets, but it was not good for our team necessarily. Um, but yeah, Arizona beat Seattle even with not having any of their key players, which really just goes to show how dire it is with Seattle. Things are just not good there. And again, when I said I was less scared of teams like Seattle than I was Minnesota, and a lot of Packers, it's not like I'm, I'm a genius. A lot of Packer fans were saying that. And for good reason. I mean, the Vikings have talent. They just keep making stupid mistakes at, at critical times. Seattle's just not very good. And when the Vikings don't make critical mistakes, or at least we don't make them pay for critical mistakes, then you lose the game. Um, and maybe most importantly, outside of uh, making fun of the Bears, um, Dallas Cowboys lost to Kansas City, which is glorious for a lot of reasons. Uh, we know Kansas City's struggling. Dallas and their statistically, what used to be their number one overall offense in terms of points and yards, only could muster nine mm. points, which I think might be the second time in, in recent history that they have just failed to do anything competent. So, you know, the NFL is weird, man. I mean, it's, it's, you try to put your finger on a team that's really scary. And I, I hate to say it, if you're looking at things like consistency, New England is the one that's kind of scaring me right now. Um, Tampa Bay's in a funk. Um, Giants are trash. Atlanta's trash. New Orleans is, is a weird team. Philly's way too volatile. Miami and the Jets are trash. Washington and Carolina are not good. Buffalo's in a weird funk. Indy's weird. Um, Detroit is bad. Cleveland is bad. San Francisco is bad. Jacksonville's bad. Houston is bad. Tennessee's good, but they're, again, they're doing weird stuff. Um, Minnesota, obviously good, bad, good, bad. Baltimore, Chicago, not very good. Um, I mean, you know, maybe I'm not giving Baltimore enough credit, but they're certainly not an elite dominant beat everybody in their path team. Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Seattle, maybe Arizona at full strength is scary, but we know we can beat them. Dallas and Kansas City, I mean, there's just not a lot of teams where you just know they're going to put out a top effort every week, you know? And so even with, not that this is the most comforting thing in the world, but even with the Packers having injuries, you can go up against a team that's supposedly pretty dominant and be like, isn't that the team that just got smoked by Houston? Like, pfft. I'm sorry, but this is not a foregone conclusion. I'm not going to bet my house on losing this game. I'm just saying. Anyways, it's getting kind of late. I did say we were going to do PFF, so we're going to rip through it, but it's going to be, I'm talking real fast. We're not going in depth at all. Um, I'll give you kind of the highlights and lowlights here. Uh, good news on offense, no real terrible players. Um, the bottom five may as well just be the bottom, you know, uh, 10, which is just half. Out of 20 players... 11 through 20 was 53 to 61. So, I mean, that's a narrow range. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll just read the whole thing. Starting at 61, working our way down to being worse. Mercedes Lewis, John Runyon, Amari Rogers, Jordan Love, uh, who had a 60 for taking a knee, Tyler Davis, Royce Newman, uh, Juwan Winfrey, Randall Cobb, Lucas Patrick, Billy Turner. So again, Billy Turner did have the lowest grade, but he was basically tied with everybody I just named. Um, after that, you've got, um, again, out of 28, we're in the 70s, three were in the 80s. So, the, I mean, again, this is a pretty promising thing. When you have an offense that has 
almost half the team in the 70s. That's really high. I mean, having done this for as long as I have looking at these grades constantly, I can say that that's pretty good. But also just not having guys that are just garbage, 40s, 30s, 20s, whatever. Um, the We'll just do it. I'm only not listing two people that are in the 60s or high 60s or whatever. But anyways, um, <coughs> Elton Jenkins, in the so in the 70s, Elton Jenkins, A.J. Dillon, Dominique Daphne, love to see it. Josiah DeGuara, also love to see it. He had a pretty, obviously a pretty good game. But surprisingly, it wasn't just the the, the touchdowns and all that stuff because that was my first thought when I saw uh, Baceroski on Twitter saying that he was in there or whatever. I thought, yeah, he just got a touchdown, that's why. No, it was his run blocking grade. He had a slightly under 70 receiving grade. His run blocking grade, which uh, he did, you know, seven out of however many, 25 times or so, 85 overall. So you love to see that kind of stuff. When you can slowly contribute a little bit more as a receiver, but you're really blossoming as a blocker, that's when you're going to thrive in a Matt LaFleur system, right? When they can trust you to, to hammer those blocks and then, you know, I mean, that's Mercedes Lewis. I mean, that will slip you out on a couple of passes, but you got to prove you can block first. Um, after that, you got MVS, who was uh, high 70s as well. The three guys in the 80s, Aaron Rodgers, who I, I said didn't have a good game, but again, similar to Justin Fields the week before. The, he got off to a slow start and then just dominant in the second half, so that overrid it, which is, I'm, again, I'm happy with that. Equinemius St. Brown, again, fantastic day. And then, not surprisingly, number one, as usual, Devontae Adams. We might as well just call it a 90. He had an 89.1 overall grade. Um, again, I'll, I'll get into more specifics on how the grades and stats panned out tomorrow because we're getting kind of short on time. It's already after 8 o'clock, so I need to put the kids to bed. Um, but we'll do we'll do the defense. And the defense is where things get pretty ugly. Um, unlike the offense, we had five people in the 70s or higher we had one person in the 60s. One. This is out of 18 people. So that means 12 out of 18 were below a 60, below average. Um, worse than that, you had five players in the 40s or lower, two players in the 30s or lower, and one person in the 20s. So this is the kind of stuff that means this was a bad day for your defense. Not because everybody was bad, but because you have just a plurality, and the guys that were bad were real bad. But um, we'll start off with the lowlights, and I, I don't even know where to start because I don't want to read everybody in the 50s. I guess we'll go below, I can't even do below 55 because that's uh, eight, 8 through 18. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll do the bottom five, which is everybody below a 50. So bad. Oren Burks, 49.2. Chris Barnes, 44, Henry Black, 43, Eric Stokes, 32, Kevin King, 29. So all the hype, all the excitement about especially Eric Stokes and Kevin King, um, they just undid all of that. Uh, Henry Black has been kind of down here for a while. The other disappointing thing, um, obviously we're not talking about Devondre Campbell, but to see the linebackers kind of start to play like the linebackers that we've come to know and, and be disappointed in, not great. And, and, and I even saw that it just, it felt like more hesitation, bad tackling, bad angles, just, it was weird. You know, in, in the past few weeks, we've seen guys like Oren Burks fly at a hundred miles an hour and just lay the wood to people. And it just felt more hesitant. And I don't know, it wasn't great. Five guys, though, seventies and above two in the eighties, uh, Devondre Campbell, once again, 71.1, maybe not the most dominant performance in the history of the world, but I mean, uh, 
in fact, he got a 50 overall run. I said I wasn't going to do this, but where he shone, shined, where he shined was pass rush. Three pressures on eight attempts, 90.5 overall grade. So we can add that little notch to his belt of things that he's doing well this year. Uh, number four, a guy that I forgot to mention, but man, it was it was crazy because we haven't seen him all year. He comes in because of injuries, and we just kept seeing him the whole game. Tipagalea, which I know I'm saying his name wrong, but that's how I say it, and it's smooth and easy to say. Uh, 76 overall grade. Unfortunately, the one thing he's supposed to do, pass rush, he did not do well, but everything else. Uh, run defense was dominant, highest of anybody. Tackling was great, and even coverage, which for a smaller guy like Tipagalea, that's kind of what you get. Tyler Lancaster, number three, and then we get into the 80s, Kingsley Kiki, and number one, Preston Smith. So again, the defensive line, Tippa, Tyler, Kingsley, and Preston. Uh, Preston's been up at the top again, so he's had a bit of a resurgence. He started off really well, then he was kind of down in the gutter the last two weeks, though he's been back at the top, which, you know, we need Preston in a big way, considering where things are at. By the way, this is also what I'm talking about with, I guess what I'm talking about is next man up, but I can't grade you on a curve. I understand that with Galea, there's there's a lower expectation, but we need you to come in and be Rashawn Gary. Um, that's unfair, but that's what we need. And again, although he's the exact opposite of Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary is is basically just pass. Well, that's not true. He's a decent run defender, but he's a pass rusher. That's his biggest asset by far. Uh, Galea is. I, kind of unfair, but useless as a pass rusher. But everything else was great, especially run defense, which again is kind of surprising. But um, again, we'll dig in a little bit more deeper, a little bit deeplier uh, on that tomorrow. But I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.